What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number two. This is the Hustle and Grind. Here we talk about turning your passion into a career. This is where we're going to talk about anybody who makes things with their hands and wants to take their passion from a part-time hustle to a full-time grind. We got a guest with us today. We have a special guest. We got the legendary one and only Mr. Roy Scott from Vintage Axe Works. What's up, Roy? Here we go. So two things out of the gate. Um, not special, not extraordinary, uh, just a hardworking motherfucker. Well, what you been working on today? Axes, yo. Fucking axes. Axes oh, or axe handles? <laughs> uh, both, man. Awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, sounds like it's going to be a pretty cool show, yo. Yeah, man. We're excited about it. And um, again, I really appreciate you being on here. If anybody doesn't know who you are, why don't you tell them a little bit about what you do and the podcast you're on, which is one of my favorites, the Axe and Iron podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, so I co-host uh, Axe and Iron podcast with Chris Cash of Mount Phillip Metalworks. Uh, he and I have been buddies for a couple of years now and uh, kind of similar to what you're, what you got going on here. Um, we talked to cool makers um, all over. Oh, all over the U.S. We had a couple of U.K. guests. Um, but, you know, just normal people doing super cool things. Yeah. Um, and whenever someone says you can't fucking do it, um, you know, you, we, we talk to people that are doing it. Um, and, you know, they're just the stories that you hear, the stuff that they're making. I mean, it's just off the charts cool stuff. Yeah, and, um so- uh, Go ahead. Some of those UK guys get a little hard to understand, right? Oh, dude, man, it's a fucking struggle. Seriously. <laughs> I know you had uh, Steve from Moonshine Metalworks on there. He wasn't quite as bad as Onar, though, was he? Well, I mean, that's what everyone says, but in in truth, man, I can't understand a thing that those dudes say. I mean, we, we had <laughs> Honor, uh, Moonshine on, and then we also had uh, uh, Mark Peacock of uh, uh, Deer River, craftsman um super talented woodworker um so yeah we're you know we're talking probably to same same type of audience um that you're trying to capture here also just again cool people doing cool stuff with their hands woodworking metal um we had a a couple axe guys on early on um just you know just super fucking cool people and it's just fun talking and hanging out a couple of other guys also yeah um yeah so a little bit about me uh vintage axe works i've been doing this um i've been collecting axes for a, a long time um probably since 2012 2013 and uh full-time uh i just looked on my instagram account uh last week or something and i've been on instagram for five years now um as vintage axe works i didn't realize that they've been doing it that long um and all of that air quotes here has been full time um early on uh while i didn't have a normal nine to five job i was doing vintage axe works about two weeks on and then two weeks off because i was traveling uh with my wife with her work kind of all over uh, the eastern part of the country. Uh, she's a sales rep, and we just go around uh, to all of her office visits and everything. And then I was building Vintage Axe Works up, talking to a lot of guys, and I was fortunate enough to be able to stop in and hang out with a lot of cool motherfuckers uh, early on um, when when I was just getting going and hugely inspiring talking to some of these cool guys that I've become friends with over the years. So. I've been really lucky, been really fortunate, um, but there is, you know, no excuse for hard work every day. That's right. That's right. You definitely come a long ways from hauling a box of heads across country, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now let yeah, me ask you a question. Up. How did you manage to get married and your wife did not even know that you had an interest in axes, much less was hauling a pile of well, them across the country? Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, I, I married my wife six weeks after meeting her. Um, oh, awesome. You knew it, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, she's an absolute killer, too. Um, she's, I mean, you know, like, whenever you meet a person who's in sales, 
you're like, oh yeah, that person can, can sell anything. That's my wife. I mean, she just happens to be super, super passionate about eyeglasses and eye frames and eyewear. Um, that's her background. Well, she, she was a musician for a long time, but um, like as her side hustle and she, her, her normal day job was uh, an optician. Um, and that, you know, led her into a couple of different positions and then ultimately became a sales rep for an independent company. And then now she works for uh, the largest eyeglass manufacturer in the world. Um, so she and I aren't traveling together. She's on the road five days a week. Um, so that's really, um, so two years, two and a, well, it's two and a half years ago. That's, that's when she got that position with this, with the comp, her current company. And that's when Vintage Axe Works really like kind of stepped on the gas, um, where I could be in the shop, uh, five days a week, uh, and just really focus on cranking stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing, you're killing it, man. Um, I was actually scrolling through your feed last night, just trying to kind of refresh myself a little bit on what you've got going on. Uh, something I noticed is you've got a gun cabinet full of axes, not for sale. What's special about those? Are they all original handles? Are they rare? What makes you fall in love with those certain ones? Those particular ones? Well, um, I get a lot of shit from my friends. They just think that I'm in the freaking axe business to sell axes. It's not true at all. Uh, I've been collecting heads for a really long time and there are a couple of heads that are just really cool and really special to me that I find interesting. Um, there are all sorts of manufacturers, um, throughout the years, Kelly Collins, Plum, uh, man, Warren. Um, and there, you know, just a couple of heads that are extra cool. They got really cool etchings on them. Some of them that were in that cabinet, um, they were manufactured in the late 1800s uh, here in Louisville, Kentucky. A um, couple of uh, all original pieces. There's a, a Plum Girl Scout National pattern in there on a original handle, uh, original paint, everything full size, like boys' axe. Right. Um, just some really cool, unique pieces. So, I mean, I'm not just uh, here selling heads or selling axes. I mean, I, I collect them too. I got a fucking collection. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that, that's the cool part about it is you actually are making a career out of something that you have true passion for. It's not just a business. You wake up and you love it. You look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it that I get excited. I mean, you know, you'll hear me talk on uh, the Axe and Iron podcast about Axe nerds and, you know, just joking around with all my friends that are super nerdy into things. But, you know, truth be told, I mean, I'm a fucking axe nerd too. Um, <laughs> but like some of these guys totally geek out on like edge geometry and freaking high center lines and, you know, like all the fucking nuance as well. It was made by this company, but for this company and yada, yada, yada. yada. And I get it. I mean, I fucking get it. But like there's, <laughs> there's a fine line of, you know, being a total nerd and geek uh, while trying to run a business. So yeah, I've got a pretty good baseline knowledge of, of what I'm selling and what I'm doing. Um, and I know like, Oh, this piece is really cool. I'm not selling this one. <laughs> Fuck all y'all. <laughs> Do you actually know how many, is there a number on the amount of ax heads that you've got hanging in your shop? Cause when you do your videos, it seems like they just go on forever and ever. Yeah, I, I got, um, so here's a little business side of things. Um, when I first started really getting into like, okay, I'm going to turn this into a business. Uh, I used to be an engineer, uh, for like eight years and I used to sit behind a CAD station and an Excel spreadsheet all day, every day. So everything that I do is kind of cataloged in Excel. So yeah. every single head that I have now, uh, has an inventory number. Um, it's got, in my spreadsheet, it's got when I bought it, uh, and if I sell it, when I sold it, how much I sold it for, how much I bought it for. And then also, um, just a brief description in case, you know, I need to like redo my inventory or something, or if there's some sort of discrepancy, I can reference my spreadsheet to 
kind of know what I'm really looking at. So right now, I mean, I've got about a thousand heads in my inventory. Wow. It doesn't really account for some of the cool personal pieces that are in the house and whatever. Yeah, but well, that's yeah, about thousand pieces. That's yours. No, no, there's no reason to catalog those. Right. Well, I mean, there are there are reasons to. I mean, especially for like insurance purposes or whatever, because you know some some of these axes, man, holy shit, they can get really really valuable and um um. You know, especially here lately, last, definitely within the last five years since I've been in business, I mean, the price of heads have gone up astronomically. Um, in particular, the Black Raven gone up crazy. I mean, whenever I first started getting into axes, I had the opportunity to buy a Black Raven. I about like shit my pants whenever I saw it. It was in North Idaho, and a uh, guy brings it out. But he, he was in a fucking a milk crate that one of his, it was an antique, just like a, a antique flea market junk store kind of place. Right. And a guy was dropping off, dropping off a big, you know, big load of tools and things for the owner of the shop. And there it was just sitting in a milk crate. And, uh, I was like, Oh my God, you want to sell this thing? And he was like, eh, I mean, I, I bought all of those just for that, for that black Raven. I'll sell it to you for a hundred bucks. And for all at of them. that time, huh? Was that for the whole bucket or for the Raven? Just for the Raven. Okay. Um, and it was super, it was super clean. And, and honestly, at that point in my life, I did not have a hundred dollars to spare. And so I tried to fucking lowball, and I was like, well, would you take like $75 for it? And he's like, man, get out of here. Just, you know, <laughs> so I blew it. I fucking blew it. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't have a hundred dollar bill in my pocket, oh, which is man. dumb. But I mean, it was the reality. Yeah. You know, so a lot of things have changed since then. Um, you know, you, a hundred dollar black Raven today is kind of unheard of. Um, and that might have something to do with vintage axe works as a whole, because a lot of black Ravens have come through my shop and a lot of people see that. And they also have black ravens that maybe they didn't really know what it was. Maybe they didn't really know that it was valuable. And they're like, oh, that's really cool. Will you restore mine um, that I've had in my family for a long time? Yeah, sure. Send them my way. Yeah. And uh, so you start seeing a couple of, you know, black ravens come through the shop. And it's like, oh, this guy, like, I'm going to send it to him because I don't want to fuck it up. And I've done enough of them now that um, it's pretty, it's pretty easy and pretty routine for me to restore them. Um, and you know, a lot of people don't think it's not like antique furniture from way back in the day, you know, like, Oh my God, you, you found an antique chair or something. Don't touch the finish. Axes are completely different. Um, if you restore an ax, it's going to be worth more money than an unrestored rusty piece of shit in a bucket. Right. Same head, but, um, restored head, has way more valuable because now it's a useful, pretty tool. So there's that. Right, right. Now I want to ask you about some of your uh, custom handle work that you do, uh, like okay. the epoxy handles. Now I know uh -huh. you say all the time, you know, these are meant to be hung on a wall, not to be used. Do you specifically tell your customers, you know, don't use this or you're going to tear it up, or do you kind of just trust that they won't? Um, I think now there's there's enough of me saying in the comments of all of my posts or whatever saying it's just for pretty, not all axes need to be used. Right. Um, the last one that I did that little, uh, Tiffany blue ish, uh, color handle. Oh, that was the customer con. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, customer, whenever I, whenever I sent him the shipping notification, he was like, Oh, I can't wait for my wife to use this. She's going to chop up kindling and stuff. And I was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. There, <laughs> She bought you a little hatchet uh, around Christmas time. Why don't you use that instead of using this one? There's no reason to use this. I mean, that that hatchet sold for seven hundred dollars. So wow. why do you, like you don't need to chop kindling with a seven hundred dollar axe? Hell no, you just don't. Right. So. But if you want to and you break it, man, I'll make you another one. It'll just cost you the same amount awesome. of money the yep. second time around. <laughs> <laughs> Straight redo, no discounts. <laughs> Yeah, no warranty on any of those things. And I don't warranty anything. Like, if I know someone's going to be 
throwing an axe, dude, you don't get a warranty because you're using that axe for something that it was not intended for. Right. Of course. And, and honestly, like the whole axe throwing game, um, it's just not my jam. I tried getting in on in in it um, a little earlier. Um, but those guys are just like fucking fanatics about how much does it weigh, how much you know, what are the fucking grind angles, and and there are plenty of other guys out there that are really specializing in in axe throwing. And hats off to those dudes; they can have all that fucking business. Yeah, we actually just got a an axe throw in place here in town where we live, and me and my really? wife went and did it. It was fun. Um, mm-hmm. and I threw it one time and bounced it off the wall. And after that, yeah. I was hitting bullseye every throw. It just kind of was pretty easy for me, but yeah, after, Chris Cash. <laughs> <laughs> after a little while, it just kind of, you know, I started realizing what they're doing at this ax throwing place, man, it was overpriced. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, you break a board every few throws and they got to come and replace the boards, but your timer's still ticking. And seven dollar beers for throwing axes, seven dollars yeah. for a, a twelve ounce beer. So, and that kind of takes a lot of the fun out of it. Um, but speaking of Chris Cash, let's go. Let's go back to your podcast for a minute. Um, All right, I've have liked your podcast for quite a while. Listen to I've I'm caught up now. I've heard every episode, but since I've been uh-huh. trying to get this one going, I've started kind of listening to listening to podcasts in kind of a different way. And I love the way you and Chris are able to go back and forth with each other. Um, I think me and you are going to get along a little better today because I can't see your goofy faces and you can't tell how fat my head is. <laughs> but uh, fair. talk That's to fair. me about you and Chris and how y'all actually, uh, I know y'all been buddies for a while, but how'd y'all get together and start the podcast together? You know, he's a welder, blacksmith, fabricator, and you're, you know, the, the ax master. So how did how did y'all actually come to the, I guess the conclusion that you have what it takes to, to get along on a podcast in front of the world? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so he and I met through Instagram, um, and neither one of us really know definitively like who contacted who first or like who made the first comment or anything like that. But I think I found him through my explore page on Instagram. And, you know, Chris does some amazing work and, and I hate that I fucking saying that, but, um, <laughs> he does a lot of, he does a lot of really cool, um, like, uh, sea ocean inspired, like alien inspired. Yeah. Everything's um, got tentacles. Yeah. He does some really cool, um, artwork, uh, sculptures. And then he does, you know, the dragon twist bottle opener. Right. And he and I just started chit chatting um, over Instagram, DMing each other, and then shortly thereafter, uh, my wife and I we were in Maryland uh, with her work, and I was probably like I was like forty five minutes away from, it and I was like, "Holy shit, man! Um, I'm I'm pretty close to you while I'm here. Do you mind if I swing by?" He's like, "No, man, come on over." And I went to a shop, hung out for a few hours. Um, there was a fucking snowstorm. Um, so we were just in his shop, huddled around the fucking, uh, his coal forge, huge fucking forge. Yeah. Had a huge anvil. He was showing me around and, and we just fucking hit it off. We were talking about, you know, all the, like Chris is a wealth of knowledge. And again, I fucking hate giving him any sort of credit or props about anything, but he's a wealth of knowledge about like East coast contacts. Um, all those dudes, they're all fucking, they all know each other. Um, you know, Jimmy DeResta, fucking Zepp, um, Beisler, Beisler, um, blacksmithing, you know, center for metal arts, fader, fucking, uh, uh, Jesse fucking, uh, Jesse Savage, Savage. Sam, yeah, like just he knows everyone. Yeah, um, yeah, because he, he sells it's tools. Like a... He like he sold fucking tools to all those guys and the uh, the whole crew from you know um, is it the Blackthorn, um, uh, whatever uh, Blackthorn Inn or whatever where they have Maker Camp. So he was like the fucking hype man um, the first year that they had it. Um, and he's just a really, really good guy for like 
hey, do you know this person? Do you know this person? He is really good at freaking knowing all the key players. He's not good at it. Like, he's just friends with all of them because he's a fucking, he's a great guy. Uh, hilarious. And he and I just started fucking talking. I was like, just here's my phone number. Or he gave me his number or something. And we would just sit there and talk on the phone during the day about business. And we just fucking, uh, complain about this or, or like I'm working on this or whatever. And both of us were like, this could be a podcast. Like just us talking about business and trying to figure out just like how to navigate all of this Instagram, social media stuff tied into business. Right. And he would tell me, well, I'm going to go pick up this power hammer. I'm doing this. And I'd, so I'd talk to him about projects that I was working on or whatever. And like every fucking time I'd be like, God damn, I'm in the wrong business. You guys are fucking killing it. And I'm over here fucking struggling with stupid axes. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, well your stuff you're struggling with doesn't weigh 10,000 pounds and need forklifts to move. Yeah. He's yeah, in the for big sure. tool game. He's in power hammers, presses, you know, all the, the old awesome stuff before kind of the technology got involved. Yeah. And the, and the stuff that he likes, I mean, I, I like all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not, nearly as versed in it as he is and that's what makes the show fun for me um because he'll get on people that i've never even fucking heard of and like a lot of guys will will think that there's i don't know there's like pre-interview prep and a lot of editing and stuff on our show no 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 no. it's hey um i'm gonna have on this guest are you free at such and such day at such and such time and Chris actually, it seems like he does more research about our guests than I do. And I feel kind of bad, but it's become kind of a thing where, you know, it's like a real time fucking reaction to the person and what, what they got going on. I look at, I look through their feed, the entire, um, interview process just to, you know, kind of get a baseline of what's going on. And, you know, I, I would say that most of our guests, um, are fucking awesome. Like, thankfully, they're awesome and <laughs> they're fun to talk to and hang out with. And we've become friends with you know, almost everyone, if not everyone, that has been on the show. So yeah. I feel really, really lucky um, for the contacts that I've made through Chris and through the show as a whole. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I've got more friends now than I've ever had in my fucking life. Seriously. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I found your podcast kind of late. Uh, I'm friends with Tommy Matthews that you've had on before. I think he was lucky number 10. And Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard of your podcast before, and he texted me or messaged me or something. said, hey, man, I'm on this podcast. Check it out. So I said, okay, cool. I listened to it, and, man, I had a blast. You know, just I learned new things about Tommy, and I was introduced to you and Chris, and I kind of kicked back and, you know, listened to some older episodes and started looking forward to the next one. And like I said, since then, I'm I'm completely caught up. I'm waiting on the next one now so yeah man it's a, it's a fun show y'all got going on well thank you um it you know whenever whenever we first started doing it uh we had like six episodes kind of in the bank and we would send them out to our friends um and i had just come off of uh, being fucking exiled off my old podcast so i sent this one around to a couple of my ax nerd friends and they're like I mean, I don't know. It's not that it's, you know, you're not really talking about axes. And I was like, it's not about fucking axes. I, it's like the name axe and iron. I like axes. Fucking Chris moves iron. That's it. It's not a show dedicated to axe and iron fucking things. Yeah. And that makes not. a lot of sense. You know, I'm a knife and, maker, but I'm not yeah. pushing this show to be about knives, you know? Uh, right. Obviously I'm going to have, probably more guests than not on here that are in some way involved in knives because that's what I'm involved in. Uh, but you know, we're not going to, there's already a knife talk. We're not going to sit around and, you know, talk about just knives all day. That'd be boring. So this is going to be more around how to make it into a business instead of the career and moving towards that. Uh, well, so, turning, turning a, a hobby into a business, um, 
you know, I, I, whenever I was living out West, um, I, I wanted to be a, a fly fishing guide, um, in either Idaho or Washington or whatever. And, and everyone was like, dude, do not be a fucking fly fishing guide. You will hate fly fishing. You like, just don't do it. You, you will look at fly fishing differently. And there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Um, so whenever I, I was like, I'm going to start vintage axe works, I was really worried about it. Cause I was like, I don't want to fucking hate axes. I don't want this to become just a normal freaking job. And thankfully, you know, just the nature of the business itself and how I promote my business through Instagram, there's nothing fucking normal or routine about what I do or how I approach, um, each fucking project or anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. The, the processes are, are super similar, but the end result, I mean, Chris, Chris cash gives me shit all the time. Oh, you're just putting heads on fucking handles. Well, if you were smart enough, you'd see that every head is fucking different and every head has a different story. And I love the stories. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little different in my, in my knife passion. I've always been one to, to keep a pocket knife on me. Um, mm -hmm. or something that'll cut, you know, I've always been out in the woods. If I need to cut a, a vine or, you know, fishing line or whatever I'm doing, I've got a way to cut it. I didn't fall in love with knives because I love knives, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. I made one really just to see if I could do it. And it sucked yeah. so bad. I was embarrassed at what I had done. So I said, I got to do better. You know, I, I can't just have that as the knife I made. And I fell in love with the process of making knives. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, just turning a piece of metal and a block of wood into something beautiful and functional that can last for generations. But now that I, you know, have got into it a lot deeper, now I've got a way better appreciation for knives, you know, and learning about some of the old makers and things like that, where I would have never had any interest to even think about learning about before. Um, so yeah, mine is the process. If I could make it to the point where, my job is to go to, to my shop and build knives. It's it's really more about the process of building knives and making sure that they're perfect and, and awesome than it is the actual knife itself. If that makes any yeah. kind of sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I get it. I understand that. Uh, so question, do you have that original um, knife still, the very <laughs> first one? I do. I do. I have my first and my second one still. Uh, the other ones have kind of been, you know, up until probably number 20, those have been just kind of test knives. I'll try a new grind or something and grab one of those, but I, I mm -hmm. do still have number one and two. And I think my wife and my oldest son are the only ones that have seen those and it'll probably stay that way. <laughs> They're pathetic. Uh, my first one was just a piece of mild steel from Lowe's and a chunk of poplar with 16 penny nails for the pins and I dyed the wood or stained the wood after everything was finished right there on the knife. So, I mean, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but it's, it's a turd kind of to remind me of where I came from. I'm going to hang on to it forever. So I, I, uh, I still have my first one also. And anytime someone, uh, comes over and I take them into the house to show them a couple of older heads or whatever, um, I pull that, that very first handle out that I ever freaking made. And, you know, it's just, I mean, I'll, I'll quote Jeff Fader here. That's just like, it makes me feel like fucking human garbage. Like, Oh God, <laughs> look at this fucking thing. Like coming out of the shadows, like, Oh God, it's atrocious. Yeah. But it, you know, it's a good reminder. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta stay freaking humble. You gotta stay hungry. And, you know, and, and I, and I say this a lot, you know, every piece better than the last. And I truly believe that like, if you're not, if you're not pushing yourself into some, you know, uncomfortable territory with whatever you're building, you're, you're getting lazy and you're getting soft and someone else, believe me, they're fucking coming after you. Oh yeah. So, sure. um, I mean, that's why you see me doing all sorts of different stuff with, with axes. Um, I mean, if you get down to the nuts and bolts of a fucking axe, it's a head, a handle and a wedge. You got three variables. So you're pretty limited on what you can and can't do. Um, but 
for me, I love really cool, pretty things. I'm not a nice guy at all, but I love the aesthetics of the knives and the handles that people are putting out these days. Holy crap. They are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's and some I just wanted to try to, I just wanted to try to incorporate some of that coolness into my axes and, you know, the epoxy stuff, the fucking, the laminates that I've been doing. Um, that for me, that's just a reflection, um, of the really cool knives that people are putting out today. Like that's the, like that's my little take on it. Yeah. Well, you're definitely I mean, why, why pushing could, it. Cause like you said, you've got the wedge, the handle and the head. You're not messing with the head. You might clean it up and sharpen it, but that's already made for you. But the, yeah, the things that you're doing with the handles, man, like you said, the epoxy, the beer bottle caps, the, yeah, you know, just the different things that you're using, the bag of dicks, you know, anything can go in a handle. You still got that one? I, I think I heard you say someone offered to buy that. Did you let it go or are you still hanging on to it? No, I still got it. Okay. I still have it. I probably <laughs> won't sell that one either. I mean, I mean, if someone really wants to buy it, like, so here's another thing. Here's another learning curve. I did not know that, um, total boat epoxy, um, you can have like a brush on epoxy, uh, to put kind of like a clear coat over, over projects or whatever. I did not know that. Um, so the, the little candy dicks are not coated <laughs> with anything. So like you could take your thumbnail and like dent in the, the dicks and the, in the, and the handle. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I was just, I was just messing around whenever I made that. Um, but you know, I think it was a pretty valuable lesson. So now I know if I do something like that again, you know, there's a couple more processes that I need to add in and refine and, and get better at. Um, you know, and, and again, if you're, we had one guest on Brandon, uh, from whiskey river, super cool guy, really good friend of mine. Um, he says all the time, if you're not failing, you're not fucking winning. That's a perfect example. Yes, that act, that bag of dicks was a complete failure, <laughs> but now I know how to do it. I didn't know so, that that's what that was until I believe it was Chris said on the podcast, asked you about your, <laughs> your hand, handful <laughs> of cocks or something. And uh, yeah. I said, what? I had already seen the, the axe on your Instagram, and I liked it. But I had to zoom in, and I said, I'll be damned. That, that's exactly <laughs> what that is. <laughs> A bunch of little yeah, winners I there. Got, yeah, I got one friend. Uh, he lives up in northern Ohio, and I bought a bunch of heads off of him. And I, opened, I opened that fucking box up, and there were just candy dicks all over that freaking box. He just dumped them in. So I saved a whole bunch of them just because, man, that's just funny. That is, yeah. If you if you don't find if you don't find that funny, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> uh, it's like a, a candy dick and a fart. Even as a grown man, there's nothing funnier. I don't know. I mean, it's hilarious. I mean, my wife, she, I mean, she thinks that uh, that I act like a twelve year old boy. I oh, mean, I hear that all the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, my kids will run up to me and they'll brag, say, "Daddy, I farted." <laughs> I'll high five them. Good job. But yeah. Even my right little, on. Even my little girl does it. And I just look over and say, yep, we're going to be just fine. <laughs> oh my God. That's I hilarious. Won't be, I won't be chasing off any boys anytime soon. So, yeah. But they're still little, so we got time. Um, well, what you want to talk about, Roy? Um, I'm kind of out of notes here, but. You know, what, you're out of notes? I'm out of notes, man. I kind of flew through everything a little fast, didn't I? I'm new at this. That's what I'm trying to learn from the master here. That's why I'm pulling you in first. Oh, geez. Come on, master of nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm really surprised. We talked the other day on the phone. I'm really surprised I didn't meet you at Blade Show. I mean, we were in the same corner talking to the same people all night. So Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. And um talking to the same people kind of around the same time. I'm sure that you and I saw each other. Um, but man, like the beer was flowing. Plentiful. Um, Oh my God. And that, and that was the, that was the night that I met Tommy from crooked river. Um, talk about an awesome dude and, and, and his girlfriend, fiance or wife or whatever, Nikki. Yep. Nikki. What an amazing woman also. Um, 
so yeah, what, um, you know, here's, here's the unsung fucking heroes of makers. doesn't matter if you're male or female, your significant spouse, if they don't have their shit together and they're not supportive, Oh, good luck, man. You're going to be fucked the whole way. Absolutely. Um, most guys like us or, or women, you know, we're, we're, we're freaking weirdos. We're freaking, you know, it's like social distancing. Yeah. We've been doing that our entire lives. It's because we don't get along with people. That's why we want to go out to our workshops and just say fuck off to everyone and everything else. Just like kind of block everything out and just do what we want to do. Um, and to have a spouse that supports you and is not only supports you, but is supportive of what you're doing is, I mean, you can't say that enough. Like, Chris Cash has got an awesome wife. Um, I've got an awesome wife. I'm sure you've got an awesome wife. Um, uh, I couldn't do what I do without my wife for sure. Um, yeah. When I started, she was, I, I've kind of been a person that I've never sat still my whole life. I've always kind of had a side project or a hobby or an interest, but a lot yeah. of them kind of fizzle off after a little bit, you know, and I got into the knives and she was supportive obviously cause she loves me, but once I kind of stuck with it for quite a while, she's the one who pretty much told me like, okay, this is, you know, taking up a lot of your time. If you're going to do this, we got to get you what you need, you know? Um, and we upgraded some equipment, still got a lot to go. Um, you know, next step hopefully is going to be a tuba 72 grinder. But yeah. I mean, I've got, I started out with just an old piece of crap storage shed that was in the backyard falling apart holes in the roof the floor was rotten and you know now i've got a building in my backyard brand new building dedicated to that's a awesome. shop that's it I mean, wow good for you man there's nothing in there that that doesn't pertain to knives we got other buildings for the lawnmowers or whatever but that's the knife shop and uh actually that's awesome I, you know my brand is jk blades that's where you know i do that's what i am on instagram that's what's stamped on my knives the jk is jason and katie as kind of soft as that sounds, you know, it's a team effort. And yeah, uh, for sure. Without Katie, yeah. there would be no Jason making knives. And I, yeah, that's I, fucking awesome. Yeah. I kind of joke with people. I say, even if she does decide she don't want me in, you know, several years or whatever, I'll just call it Jason knives instead of Jason and Katie knives. Nobody knows what that Katie <laughs> has to stand for. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like, um, the investment, in materials and equipment to get something going. I mean, holy crap. And, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I'm, I got a list of freaking machines and equipment a mile long. And my wife, man, I, I saw this fucking, uh, this belt, uh, drum sanders for sale up in Louisville off of marketplace. The only reason to get on fucking Facebook and, uh, I saw it and I was like, Oh my God, I need this. I need this. And, and my wife looked at me. She's like, you need, you just say you need everything. When's it going to fucking stop? And I was like, well, I, it'll stop after this machine. Like wink, wink. Yeah, sure. Right. It's right. always um, one more. I just need one more. <laughs> and, and it was, it was a fucking, it was a U.S. made. It was a perform max, like 24 inch wide belt fucking drum sander they only wanted 850 bucks when it was on sunday and i was like and louisville's like an hour and 10 15 minutes depending on what side of the town i, I like i would be going to so i was like ah it's sunday i mean no one's gonna fucking no one's gonna get this machine like it's a pretty specialized fucking machine um oh yeah later on that day it was fucking gone and i was like see i knew i should have bought that <laughs> fucking should have bought it yep yep if, just wasted, you know, just him and Han, and like she was like, "Why do you need that?" And I was like, "I, I fucking need it because I'm doing these goddamn laminate fucking handles, and I'm doing these epoxy handles." I took a whole stack of wood down to my buddy uh, Jeremy Meadows' place down in uh, Richmond, Kentucky, a couple weeks ago or a month ago or whatever, and specifically to sand some fucking blanks. I don't have the capability of sanding fucking blanks. What is, like, what is this fucking amateur hour or what? Fuck. <laughs> Now, when you're talking about sand and blanks, are you are you talking about after you've got your three pieces kind of glued up? No, no, no. I'm I'm talking like I got a whole I got a whole stack full of really cool 
um, crotch grains, some highly figured uh, pieces of wood. And to get a good thickness of a handle, um, if I'm running, if I'm going to run epoxy on either side of it, then I need to to sand down these blanks that I have because um, I can't plane them because the grain's going all sorts of freaking different directions and it just chips out like crazy. So I've got an old uh, 12-inch cast iron parks planer that will just shred through some shit. But like the grain on this stuff, oh man, I mean, it's like popalicious going through there. So Yeah, that's what threw me off good- was I was thinking a planer would be what you would use. But yeah, a drum yeah. would be great for that. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to fuck up the grain or anything. So I took a bunch of blanks down to, to Jeremy Meadows' place and sanded some through, uh, sanded some down to a decent nominal thickness here so that I can pour some epoxy. But what I'm finding out is, like, I kind of need them a little bit thinner. So that would have been, that, that machine would have been perfect for that. But, um, you know, just part of the fucking, part of the learning curve. Yeah. Um, and, and again, if you're not like continually pushing yourself and, you know, I want to try this, I want to try to, I want to see if I can make this or let's see what happens if I do this, this, and this. And I mean, you can apply that to anything. I mean, if you're making stuff and you're not trying new things and experimenting, you, you will become pretty stagnant and static pretty freaking quick and people get bored. Yeah. So yeah, my new thing I've been uh, working on myself is hidden tang knives, and oh yeah, I've got three of them that I've I've got forged out and ready to have the tang put on. But man, getting those brass guards fitted up to where there's no gaps, and I mean file filing down just enough to make it perfect. I'm still working on all three. I haven't gotten any of them done yet, but you know my thing is I'm not going to put it together unless it's perfect. I'm not going to spend all that time and then slap it together. Just say, Oh, well that's good enough. You know, to me, there's Mm -hmm. no such thing as good enough. I'm as good as I can possibly get it within my power. And the next time I'm going to do it better. That's kind of my mentality. So uh, how are you, how are you grinding and shaping handles and everything? If you don't have a two by 72, what are you using? I'm in preschool still. Um, I have got actually, Four grinders. I've got two shitty Harbor Freight one by thirties. One of them I've kind of cut the frame off pretty significantly, where I can kind of use the top wheel and kind of use the bottom wheel as a hollow grind. One of them's just you know how it came from Harbor Freight, but I've got some different platens, radius platen, and one I wrapped in leather. All stuff I've made myself just to try to get the most I can out of it. Then I got a four by thirty six, and then I got a three by twenty one. Um, they're all shit. I mean, they get the job done, but it's, it's not as efficient as, as it should be. Right. Uh, sure. But you know, in, until that time comes where I get the two by 72, you know, I've looked into the kits of building your own, but don't do it. I'm not doing don't that. Do I mean, there's just so much, you know, you can buy the, I see it advertised all the time. You can buy the plans for what, 30 bucks or something. Or you can buy the most of the frame, but you still got to weld it all together, which is fine. I'm a welder, but it doesn't even come with the tube steel. And, you know, that's another $300 worth of steel where I'm at because you can only buy it in, in 20-foot sticks. Then you got the wheels, the controls, the motor. I mean, then you got to learn how to wire all that fancy crap yeah. up inside there. I've, I just, I'm going to save up and get one that's ready to go. So here's... Here's what I have discovered or heard from every single person that did exactly what you just described. You know, these fucking make your own grinder or, or, or like the no weld bolt together grinder. Every single person that did that now has or is in the process of buying a standard two by 72. Right. Um, if you, and I, and I know that grinders are expensive. I mean, good God, they're expensive. But if you want to fucking, if you want to be efficient and you want to, you know, put out consistent work, you, you got to get the right tools and equipment to be able to do it. And yeah, you can get by 
like you're doing. Yeah. And I get it. I, I got by for a long time too. The way that I shaped my handles. Oh, it was horrendous. Um, I used to, I used to draw, um, my templates onto a piece of square stock lumber, take it over to my table saw and set up my miter gauge and set the depth of the blade to correspond to the curve in the fucking template and make a whole bunch of passes and then take a chisel and knock out all of those freaking relief cuts and then get a four inch fucking four and a half inch angle grinder with a 36 grit flap wheel on there and start rounding corners and then taking a fucking palm sander and sanding it as smooth as I could. Now you tell me like, am I going to make awesome stuff? Eh, Maybe one a week. Yeah. That doesn't Um, sound efficient at all. No. And there's a reason why that very first handle is a piece of shit. Yeah. 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 That's, that's so, a huge investment. Uh, and like I said, I'm pushing towards full time, but man, it's just, that's a you know, no, they're expensive. $3,000 $4,000 for one piece of equipment. It's just, yeah, you know, I'm sure there's going to no come joke. a day where I'll look, look in my shop and I might have two of them, you know, but for right now it's just well, a lot. Well, I'll tell you one thing about freaking, I'll tell you two things about grinders. So I never used a two by 72 until I got my KMG, um, very first grinder I ever used. And so two things, one, um, you don't like, you don't know you need it until you actually freaking use one. And then you're like, you use it it. for every single thing. No, so just, I'm making general freaking, just general freaking statements for people that, might, might be listening or, or might be on the fence like, well, I, you know, I could use it for this and this, but that's really it. No. Like if you work on anything in your house or you got a car or truck, like you just find yourself using it for everything. And then two, once you realize how valuable that machine is, man, I was kicking myself in the ass going, I should have bought this thing three years ago. And if, if God forbid, anything ever happens to my grinder, I'd buy another one tomorrow. I mean, I don't right now. Do I have, you know, 3,500, four grand just sitting out there going, huh, what am I going to do with this money? <laughs> no. But if one, if my fucking grinder blew up, well, God damn it. I'm buying another fucking grinder tomorrow. Yeah. That's how important it is. Well, yeah. Your business depends on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, when you're going through the daily grind and the hustle, for your income, you got to have the equipment. Yeah. There's no way around it. Yeah. It's just, it's just part of my freaking business now. Um, I, I cannot live without it. Um, and, and yeah, I would like to have another one or two more because you, you know, down the road, you want, it's not only that you're, you're doing stuff consistently, you want to be efficient at it. So changing wheels and changing belts and changing operations takes time. And if you want to, you know, multiply that out per week or per month, I mean, it fucking adds up. So if you have three grinding station with different wheels and belts or, I mean, that's fucking ideal. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's money there. Yeah. That's the fucking like long-term goal. Be able to have three grinders, three grinding stations. Yeah. I'd love it. That would be, be freaking nice. awesome. <laughs> How big is your shop, square footage wise? What are we working with? Uh, twenty eight, uh, twenty eight by twelve. So not huge. Every everyone that comes in here is like a lot smaller than I thought it was, um, because you know I, I I put my shop on Instagram all the time, and everyone just thinks it's really big. It's got two rooms. My front room uh, is where I do most of. Um, uh, my my draw knife work, uh, hanging heads. I do head work there. Back rooms where my lumber store, my miter station, and where my two by seventy two is set up. Um, I do, uh, and my bandsaws back here. So kind of woodworking up uh, back here, and then head work up front. Um, then also some handle shaping and stuff. Um, I I have been talking to a contractor about expanding my shop. Um, big investment um so we'll see like i've got enough room to add on 
another like 32 feet. Um, so I could take out kind of a, one of these walls and, and push my shop out, uh, pretty significantly. So, yeah, yeah that'd be a hell of an increase. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, setting up a, a three grind, a, you know, a three, three grinding stations that becomes more doable. And like right now I could fit one more. If I move my current grinder around, I could fit another KMG in here. Um, and I would do that if I'm not expanding the shop, but like three grinders, no fucking way. Um, because I, I mean, it sucks to have so much dedicated space, uh, sh- uh, bench space for a miter station, but I use my fucking chop saw every day. I'm, I'm cutting blanks, you know, to, to length. Um, and it's just, it, it's just a necessity. Um, so a lot of, a lot of real estate that's taken up by a fucking chop saw. <laughs> now, do you but have whatever. your? It is, do you have a dust collection system, or you got a grinding room, or how you how you dealing with all that wood dust you're putting off in there? Uh, I have a broom. A broom. That's uh, that's the same as my dust collection. Yeah, we got that. Yeah, it sucks ass. Yeah. Yep. So I, I've been looking at dust collection systems, and yeah, they're like. Of course, I can go out and buy one. You know, between three and five hundred bucks, I can get a decent used one or whatever. My whole thing is like, I really want an American-made uh, dust collector system, dust collection system, um, and finding one for this particular setup in this little shop is really difficult because the the wiring in here is not ideal. I've only got one two twenty outlet up in the front of the room, um, and everything else just runs on 110 115 fucking standard outlets right so i could run some conduit and do all that horse shit but now with like the possibility of expanding the shop i'm just going to hold off uh and because i got a quote to to run fucking like 220 and 110 outlets like every freaking four feet or something like that around the freaking shop just so that you can like have ultimate configuration like almost infinite configurations of machines like there's no fucking restrictions of where i can i can't put anything so is so, that something we're looking at doing now or is that going to be after you get your addition made no that's whenever i get the addition put on right. i mean it just makes more sense because i'll probably uh, i'll probably move my current kmg to the other part of the building um just so I can have, again, like three stations, just kind of dedicated stations um, down the road. Definitely two probably this year. I'll have another grinder at the end of this year, hopefully. Um, and then just later on down the road, get that third one. Because uh, I, want, I want one grinding station just for um, cutting in uh, my cutting edges for the heads and cause there's a fucking a, a rotary attachment. That's just perfect. Yeah. I and mean, I don't ever want to fucking touch it. Just fucking hook <laughs> it up, put a belt on it and fucking run it. Yeah. I'd love um, to get by and check your shop out one of these days. If I ever end up that way, you're up in Kentucky, right? Towards, uh, yeah. yeah. check me out. Louisville. How you say that? Louisville. Louisville. Isn't there an S in that word somewhere right towards the middle? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you want to, you want to sound local, it's fucking Louisville. I'm between Louisville and Cincinnati. Louisville. Um, okay. Louisville. It's two syllables. Louisville. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, my shop's open to anyone that's passing through or whatever. I'm, I'm here typically seven days or, well, yeah, I'm in the shop working five days a week here pretty much all the time uh just send me a message or dm me or something all my info is out there on the fucking interweb you guys can get a hold of me that way but uh yeah i've got customers that swing by the shop or whatever pretty frequently um yeah well i got your phone number now so if i ended up that way i'm coming around five o'clock we're gonna drink a beer and we are going to check out that roy scott jukebox that you got in your shop man Oh, geez. That soundtrack Dude. for your Instagram, every time I click it, I'm just impressed. It's always something different, but it's always awesome. Dude, I've been, listen, I've been made fun of for my music my entire freaking life. 
seriously. And it's just now because of Instagram, people are like, hey, you listen to some pretty cool music. Motherfucker, I know I listen to some cool music. I've been listening to the same fucking music for, for 20 fucking years. Yeah. Like, you're not going to hear anything from my shop that's new because anything new today is just, just fucking sucks. terrible music. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, my fucking roots are in punk rock and hardcore. Uh, when I got a little older, I got into traditional country and then, you know, like Waylon Jennings type country. Yes. I was raised uh, working on fucking trucks and stuff with my dad, listening to the oldies. So all of those fucking, you know, I've got a 50s and 60s um, Pandora station that's just like fucking hot rod music, fucking Ronnie the Daytonas, Beach Boys, the fucking Doors, uh, Gene and Dean, fucking name them. Like, I love all that shit. And that just transitioned right into fucking punk rock music, like fucking Ramon, Social Distortion. Yeah. Um, I mean, just fucking Motorhead. I mean, come on. Fucking just cool, cool fucking music. Yeah, we've so if anyone wants to give me shit played. about freaking music, they can fuck off. <laughs> Well, you get my thumb up, thumbs up of approval for sure. <laughs> well, I've got a, a nine-year-old little boy, and he will he'll pick Roger Miller or Tennessee oh, God. Ford over anything. <laughs> Big John, you know. Yeah, I mean his favorite songs are like Chug a Lug and you know Sixteen oh, Times. Song. Yeah, man. So he don't know nothing about all that rap crap that's going on nowadays, and hopefully it stays that way. But yeah, man, I've always enjoyed the the Roy Scott soundtrack. It's, you know, people ask me if I have a Spotify channel or something like that. I don't even know what the fuck that means. I mean, my, my podcast is on Spotify, but that's, as, that's the only thing that I know about it. Right. So Yeah, this, this was supposed to be on Spotify. It's, um, the first episode actually was scheduled to release today, you know, while the day me and you were recording. But we, oh, shit. we put it out this morning, and we got all kind of emails back. You know, this is my brand. We're new to this big time. Um but it's got to be approved. And then mm -hmm. it's already been approved by Apple and Spotify. We got the little thumbs up in the check marks. So now it's adding to the directory is what they say. Um, mm -hmm. So hopefully by this time tomorrow, it'll be live everywhere, but definitely by the time this episode comes out, the first one will be available. Um, so yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a good time. We got some awesome guests lined up and yeah, I, man. I appreciate the hell out of you being my first one, man. It means a lot to me. And um I was really surprised to see that you uh, replied to my message so quick. You must have just been sitting around bored, um, and your message kind of cracked me up. I think it was – my message was a little too long. I think the basis of your reply was, wow, that's a hell of a message, but short answer, yes, I'll do your little show. So, <laughs> uh, so okay, let, let me let me dissect that for you. Um People, people send me stuff all the time uh. and like these huge long paragraphs and I feel shitty saying, you know, my, my like one or two word reply, like, wow, awesome, cool. But like the amount, <laughs> the amount of fucking messages I get on my phone throughout the day, it's crazy. I, I mean, it is crazy. And people want to want to show me their axes, and I and I love it. I appreciate it. Um, but you 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 multiply that by thousands of people. Instagram has become a second part of my job. Um, it it consumes so much of my time, right? And I can't write paragraphs of you know, thank you for this and that and the other. I mean, I hope people understand. I'm not trying to come across as a dick. Um, it's just, if I get on Instagram throughout the day, which I do very frequently, it just consumes my fucking time. Yeah. And it's like a rabbit hole. And there's, there's so many cool things. There's so many interesting people. There's so many cool fucking projects, pictures. I mean, there's a reason why Instagram is so successful. Like people are doing some really cool stuff that you'd never even fucking know unless you open up an app on your phone. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, man. So it, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, Seriously. Like first I said, guess. It's, it's a pleasure. And, uh, hopefully this thing's going to go good for me. I'm 
I got my fingers crossed, and I got some some more awesome guests coming up. Uh, I think straight to the gutter. Well, both of my next <laughs> ones are also Axe and Iron alumni. Oh God! So, here you go. Another fucking another show that's just siphoning off our fucking guests. Hey, I got to start somewhere, <laughs> man. Might as well start with the host, right? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> All right, Roy. Well, well, let's wrap this for... thing up, man. I really appreciate you being on here with me. Um, yeah, man. And I look forward to talking to you some more. And uh, yeah, man. I want to thank everybody who listened to this. Thank you, Roy. Thanks to everybody to listen. Um, we're going to keep going. This episode is coming out one week from the intro episode, and then we're going bi-weekly. So everybody keep on hustling and keep on grinding. This is Jason. See you next time.